Welcome to our space where talking about the inspiring things with inspiring people is what inspires us. Waiting for you here are the infinite possibilities that creation, collaboration and connection have to offer. A universe where we see everything through roasting the spectacles that help us to keep our faith in the power of imagination alive and well. And now, let's talk. Today, we welcome Chris in perspective to Metralla Rosa. With two decades of experience as music producer and DJ, Chris is the founder of In Perspective Records, Eloise Records, and Black Jungle List Alliance. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, Chris believes that black people should own black art and being an artist that represents jungle and drum and bass culture, the drum, the, the drum and bass culture of London, he definitely believes that uh, a movement that was created by young black kids in London should have more black faces representing them. It was created in the post-Thatcher uh, United Kingdom, this genre of music, and somehow to bring down racial barriers and also to embrace multiculturality or multiculturalism and uh, uh, unification in society. So we definitely have invited Chris to this episode of Metralla Rosa to talk about all his dreams, about his career as an artist, but also to talk about his convictions in political terms, because I think he believes black people should own their own power. And that's a very good way to start yeah. a conversation <laughs> these days. Thank you, Chris, yeah, for joining us. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Appreciate Thank it. you. I would like to start by the beginning, I guess. Okay. And uh, did you found the, your record label in 1997? It, yeah, it was. It was, it was in 1997. Uh, I was working uh, at a place called um, Lethem's Larder in, in Camberwell. Um, and my friend and you know label um, artist Equinox Marlon Sterling, we worked together at this um, at this uh, food distributors, and we we sat opposite each other. We'd make each other laugh all day, and we were just basically one day gestating and moaning about how the drum and bass scene at the time um, had gone for a shift. In, we are talking about what year? So this was so so the shift that I'm talking about was probably around 95, 96. Okay, good. It's um, just to put myself in yeah, no, sure. perspective. Yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> Try so to imagine the the scenery. Yeah. So so there was certain tracks that come out and you know that changed what we enjoyed about drum and bass and jungle at the time. Now this drum drum and bass jungle's got a huge long history and it'd be too long to go into here, but at a particular time there were certain things going on. We didn't like how it changed. And we were moaning about it at work, basically. Okay. But at that time, you yeah. were already producing music. Were you already in the I, music industry? As part not, of it? not fully. I was. I would. I you know. I was an amateur. So you know, there was dabblings. I'd made you know stuff on this program called Optimed. Um, I wasn't a full-on producer, mm. but you know, it was. It was always. This, it's always been dabblings, and then there's in later on in life that's become more sort of full. But in terms of how we started in perspective. It, it, it was 
it was just a conversation um, about how we wanted to try and bring back certain elements that we thought was lost at the time mm. around mid-96, going into 97. And then I said, you know, as long as we keep, and I actually said the sentence, you know, as long as we remember to keep things in perspective, we, we should be fine. Oh my God, right. the name, yeah. I love the name. It's <laughs> yeah, so thank you. good. Thank you. Because <laughs> everything depends on <of> perspective. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. Yeah, it does, it does, it does, um, it does open up a few ideas. Peace in, in perspective of... is a very, <laughs> it's a very elegant name, I should say. Thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, that was off a forum. Um, so I just used to sign off Chris at In Perspective. And then people then started calling me Chris in perspective and then it just sort of stuck. So yeah. I, I never really named myself that. Other people kind of named me that. Which Beautiful. Was, yeah, which even, was quite even, handy. Even better. Yeah, even which, better. Which, which meant I didn't need to sort of worry about it. So the, the record label started with this idea of coming back to something. Yes. Yeah, when so, you wanted to create, to come back to some sort of old school um, sound, what was the intention? Very, very much so. It, it, I mean, it was, it was an amalgam. There was... Two labels in particular that I was a, a big fan of, and one was Good Looking Records, and the other was Reinforced Records, and there was elements from both that I eventually, you know, really like. Well, I always loved, so I loved the musicality of what Good Looking did. Obviously, I like the beats too, but you know, the the beats and breaks and the way they would manipulate, you know, um, break beats on, on Reinforced um, was something that was very seductive and interesting to mm -hmm. me. So, you know, I mean, I've had time to think about all this. So it sounds like, I, it sounds way more <laughs> sort of like worked out. It wasn't really that worked out at the time. It was just like me going, oh, Very spontaneous. You know, yeah, everyone was just like, oh, I love this. Oh, I'm just going to do this. So, you know, started the label with some of Marlon's music under another alias. And we went and got it cut. We tried to get it distributed. And we were subsequently told that, the sound that we were trying to bring back wasn't really what anyone wanted anymore. Mm. So it was really, really disappointing and we couldn't get it distributed, trying to distribute some of it ourselves and it didn't work. Um, and then fast forward, maybe sort of three years later, I decided to sort of go back to the drawing board and then start releasing more music. And then because we had a night technicality that we started in 99, when I started the label back, we had a place to play the music. Mm. So we were able to then sort of build up our own audience at the night um, at a club called, Herb club called Herbal. Um, and that was sort of key to growing the label and having a night and a label sort of work side by side was one of the reasons why we were able to push on and become, you know, sort of what we are now today. So, you know, it's, it, it, it's crazy to think that, you know, it'll be 25 years next year. Mm. Um, which is mental. <laughs> it is. is. And, and if you go back a little bit further, mm. um, why do you think your interest for music, where and why it started? Uh, with me, like and like with a lot of first generation Caribbean kids, it was with their parents. Like Where were your parents so, from? So my mum was from Grenada and my dad was from Barbados. Oh, wow. Um, and they met here in, in, in London and um, had five kids, which I'm number four. Um, Number four. Four, sorry. yeah. So like, I'm the fourth son. You are the not the older, but the the, the so after the uh, older one. Yeah. So I've got my oldest. I've got my older sister Dawn, then Nigel, then Leroy, then me, okay. then my younger sister um, Michelle. Um, and um, so yeah, had all of us. And and you know, to be honest, 
and I, I love you, Michelle, but <laughs> with the exception of Michelle, pretty much everyone in my family, actually, I'm, I'm gonna take that back. I'm gonna take that back. No, because Michelle, I'm, I'll explain about Michelle. Everyone in my family influenced me, you know, musically at different stages of my wow, life. Wow, that's beautiful. So, so it started obviously younger with mum and dad. You know, I remember being taken to rugby, listening to Ray Charles' with dad, you know, mum listening to Calypso and Soka. Then hearing Kiss FM when it was still a pirate radio station being played by my brothers, you know, hearing Duran Duran and certain you mm, know, yeah. stuff coming out of Man Man Manhattan Transfer coming out of Dawn, <laughs> Dawn's bedroom, my older sister. Um, and then years later, when me and Michelle were old enough, my younger sister were old enough to go clubbing together, we'd go to like Hanover Grand and, you know, check out all the disco house and you know all that sort of stuff so that's where my love of that stuff comes from with going out with my younger sister so yeah i was about to leave you out mish but it's fine um, <laughs> um but they've all had an influence and all of that soup and, and one of the other thing that i think was always a major influence uh to me um was <laughs> it's, it's always been a weird theory but tv theme tunes because when when i was you know the time that i grew up they were highly important like you know whether it's Knight Rider or Airwolf or Coronation Street or EastEnders yeah. like t before you even are aware of that you're even into music you're probably at that time watching telly so you you know I remember the theme tune to Sorry you know I used to love that like it was just crazy I used to love it um, <laughs> I did. I just said, was it uh, Ronnie Corbett? I cannot um, follow the reference. Sorry. No, so no, no. So, so sorry was this was this really seventies, like you know, early eighties TV um, sitcom, okay, featuring Ronnie Corbett, who was part of a comedy duo called the Two Ronnies, and it was basically about a man in his, I guess, his forties, still living with his mother. Okay, now. I mean that. Yeah, so it, really it's really that. traditional British, yeah, yeah. very, very British comedy. So I, not that funny, but it's, it's, um, it, the theme tune was just incredible. It was done on a fair light and it was really spacey and, you know, Doctor Who themes and stuff. So, you know, Night, but in here in Night Rider, Mike Post, you know, Hill Street Blues, Dallas Dynasty, just all, you know, all these shows yeah. that were, pummeled you know at me as well as hearing all the music you know i guess it, it was they probably inevitable was there everywhere yeah and and do you when historically the information we all uh, universally have about mm. the beginning of jungle music sure is that it it was created in the in the london it, it was somehow pro uh, the first person that used the name apparently was this uh, Congo Nati. Congo Nati, yeah. Uh, so there's a see. What do where you around? What do you? Think? I wasn't around. I'm, I'm slightly too young for that. But the, the, so, but I very, I will always stay, always stay well away from that subject. To be honest with you, because you there's are not so, that sure. Well, it's because there's so many different arguments about where it started, who mm. started it. Where you know, I think. It's not as clear and defined as hip hop, you know, as you know, there's sort of like bed style and there's a certain areas of, you know, New mm -hmm. York where it was definitively mm -hmm. blocks you could mm -hmm. say it started on. Um, I, I don't think it was like that here. Um, I think the nature of how we're way more mixed culturally in the mm -hmm. UK meant that it kind of happened in terracels around the country, I think. 
So there was stuff going on in Birmingham, there's stuff going on in London, there's Bristol, there's Manchester. So you you basically not you don't agree about London as the only. I think that's the most. Uh, I think that's the most commonly said argument. Yeah. Or give that's the most commonly said narrative. But who but he's really knows? But definitely being born in the UK. Yeah, but but the, the exactly the most important thing is it's a UK thing. It's a UK. I think that's that's what's primarily what I've always been proudest about it, and and the fact that it's grown to, you know, to morph and change in other countries the way it has done has, has been brilliant. It, it, musically speaking, mm. it's definitely um, more um, well, it's super experimental and brings to the electronic music scene. Mm. Some elements that are very present in all uh, Caribbean uh, music scene. For sure. example, the fact that a final product mm. is not final. Yeah. It sounds like a working process. It sounds like, for example, I don't know if you are familiar with song, uh, Cuban song, and many many of the of the. Uh, mus musicians mm. in the salsa environment, for example, right. they jam when they are on stage. Right. So somehow it's a way to challenge mm. the sense of structure and mm. the sense of uh, final peace mm. that in Western societies we have. Mm. Somehow we uh, uh, the, the black music in general allows this sense of... Uh, Work in progress. Sure. We are still con making this thing, and and anyway, we are sh sharing it with you and ready to enjoy it all together. Sure. Do you think that that element is present in jungle and drum and bass? I, I, I think there's definitely a so th there's definitely a collaborative and uh, unifying element to jungle and drum and bass. It, it, it not only does it unify by pulling elements in from pretty much every genre out there. Like you a know, collage of sounds. <laughs> 100%. I mean, look, you name this style of music, there's probably been someone who's tried to do a drum bass variant of that. Like, you know, from rock to, re you know, it, it doesn't matter what type of music, you know, there's techno influence drum bass, there's mm, house yes, influence drum bass, yeah. you know, the, you know, there's, there's like the footwork, you know, the hipster jungle, as some people call it, you know, sort of like 160. Jamaican. Well, I mean, then you've got the traditional, you know, jungle, jungle-tastic, you know. Yeah. You know, jungle, yeah. reggae, jungle. jungle yeah, 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 you know what I mean? You've jungle, got that, jungle. Yeah, jungle, jungle. Yeah, <laughs> jungle, I mean, jungle. Yeah. <laughs> Real got, jungle. Exactly. But you've got that original sort of sound and you've got like the more experimental left field, like what we what we have on in perspective mm -hmm. records. And, you know, that's very influenced by jazz and, you know, and then there's people that are influenced by techno. I mean, it's just it's just never ending. And yeah. the, the in the position that I'm in, you know, I, I work with RNS as well, and you know, I get sent so much music that are that are clearly variants of jungle. You know, if you look at the whole of the breakcore scene, that's a variant of jungle. And you know, listen to most of Aphex Twin or Square Pushes work. They're yes. essentially little, making, yeah, yeah. you know, just super high version there, of jungle. But there's also a very present element yeah. of uh, the, the historical. Historically speaking, sure. uh, UK was uh, after Thatcher. All the situation was a little bit depressive in the UK. Yeah, disenfranchised, and the, the sound of jungle and the sound of what we call today drum and bass sure. is slightly 
darker than the other genres of dance music that were at the time in the scene. Do you think that that's because of this political situation UK was coming across? I think if you actually break down all... If you... I mean, I can't necessarily speak for house, but if you look at techno, hip-hop, mm. And, and jungle it was some melancholic spirit all, in all of them. It yeah, all come from true. you know. I mean, I mean, techno. You know, literally come from the fact that the the motor industry, you know, left Detroit, mm. and there was just nothing there. I mean, I've, I've been to Detroit. It's, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. It's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 you yeah. know, it's still kind of like Pittsburgh is like what Detroit was then. It feels now. like it couldn't really have weird. been born in any other city. That music, I, I, right? I, I think. I think there's. It's quite interesting that techno did happen you know in the way it did in that city and it's literally like six guys that like yeah, <laughs> the whole yeah, thing yeah, yeah, now yeah, there, yeah, there, yeah. there's 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 a few arguments uh, against also. that <laughs> you know some there's some that i that i know and love dearly who believe that techno is is born more in europe and that it wasn't necessarily these guys but but the less said about that the better but um it's um it's an interesting history and I do think that that you know out of out of you know it's always darkest before the dawn a little mm -hmm. bit and I think mm -hmm. out of out of destitute you know when you've got bad situations I think you're going to have you always have a level of optimism and great creativity um and that's what because you had the poll tax riots and you know, after Thatcher, well, during Thatcher, there was all that sort of stuff that was going on, and that's yeah, when, it was yeah, I, I, it was a little bit optimistic the in the surface, but there were a lot of problems in the inner. I'm hundred percent, and and the um the what was it, the criminal justice bill they brought in, didn't they, to try and stop like raves and stuff, and yes, you know, in America they had the rave act, like which I believe Joe Biden brought in. I think, if I'm not mistaken, you might I might have to fact check that. But um, uh, yeah. Anyway, that's just so, a mad aside. So, sorry, sorry. So, but <laughs> but there's an element of um, dark, a little bit more sad, or a little bit more um, less optimistic than other uh, other rhythms that were at that same moment around. In in, I think the the the. Depending on where the music came from mm. in the country, there were different kind of elements and okay. different kind of ideas. Like, you know, there was like a northern thing, you know, where he had like a 4-4 four -four that, that, you know, in the very early days of Jungle Drum Bass you'd have, and that sort of disappeared after a while. But they always had their particular sound, and the Bristol guys had a particular sound, London guys had a particular sound. Um, but then there was people in Ipswich and, you know... It was so far and spread wide, but I don't think it was all dark. Okay. I, I, I think that that a lot of the music actually, you know, went sort of like between sort of like 93, 94 to then up to say about 95 was was very musical and optimistic, some of it. And some were dark, some weren't. You know, there, there was people that were doing all kinds of different, you know, ideas. And I'm also very interested uh, on, on things like, for example, in general, jungle and German bass have this sense of rhythm over melody. Yeah. And in Western music, in general, has been always the opposite. And a way to reverse some sometimes the way that powers 
plays on society, mm. very strong. It's true music or true things that people will celebrate, right. even without thinking of this. But right. you are creating disruption. You are creating another another, another way of thinking, right. another way of seeing at things. Mm. Do you think um, that's one of the triumphs, uh, one of the uh, powerful things of uh, this kind of music? I, I, the way they they reverse the yeah, power stages. I, I, so so it's funny you said that rhythm over melody because Equinox, my good friend, and and he always had this saying: the songs in the beats. One of the one of the ones <laughs> beats, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so so one of the um one of the sort of like darker corners, if you like, of of the jungle and drum and bass scene is 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 something called drum funk, for example. And that is very much drum funk. drum funk. So that was a coin yeah, term yeah, coined no, you, by. You, you like that? I love that term. I love, I love playing it. Yeah, but it was a coin term, uh, a term coined by uh, Paradox, Dev Paradox, um, incredible, incredible artist and veteran of the scene, and and very much underground and overground hero. You know, he's worked in both. Um, he coined that term, and you know, it's all about what you do to a break. That is literally what the the idea behind drum funk is. What do you break? No, no, in terms of a break, break, break okay, beat. Yeah, like, yeah, a, you know, yeah, like yeah, a, yeah. Like the construction a, yeah, of little yeah. pieces, yeah. Right, so, you know, you've got the, the, the beat that might be sampled from an old jazz record or from an old soul record or an old funk record and you speed it up, you manipulate it, you do so things, you chop them up. Um, and in, in that creation and that sort of, pure artistry there's there's so many variants it's not just drum funk there's people that make like you know tunes that use a particular break called the Amen break and you know that are sort of masters of just using that one particular break so equinox for example my good friend is a, is a master at, at doing that so there's so much that there's so rich and and so complex the 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 myriad of styles yeah within drum and bass and then and i mean i haven't i'm just talking about all the underground stuff that's around me you've got this whole commercial world you know the, the hospital records and the metrics and the you know the the the, the dimensions you know those guys sub focus those guys those guys that play to you know i played to 50 people maybe maybe 500 if i'm lucky they played to 50,000 people, do you know what I mean? You know, and it's a, it's a completely different sort of scale. Um, no. And in that scale, yeah. <clears throat> these days, yeah. um, how is the proportion of, from where these artists come, come from? Are they representative of the um, less privileged uh, areas of society? What, what, what's <laughs> happening right now in the scene? considering the more mainstream part of the scene because i know you have said you have been public about this mm. and i um, i really would like to to listen to your opinion sure <clears throat> um i mean i mean where i'm at now you know so obviously you know there was that situation that i had with my previous employee the, you were working at hospital? so i was working at hospital records <clears throat> i had a grievance essentially with a project they did in terms of the level of diversity on it. And I did a video, it was on my personal page and it went viral and, mm. you know, it just kind of caused a lot of shit really. Um, but it, it was for the, it was, I hope for the better. And, and that's where the Black Jungle Alliance came in. And we start, I started that as, again, sort of as an angry reaction as well. 
um, you know, today it seems that the Black Jungle Alliance is, is doing quite well and we're trying to, you know, expand what we're doing. We've got some amazing opportunities. We are going to talk about that. Yeah. Point. No, no, no. But, oh, yeah, we <laughs> but, 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 but ultimately, um, you know, my situation with hospital was, was an unfortunate one. And I, you know, I dearly wish it hadn't have happened um, in the way it did. I wish the original thing hadn't happened the way it did. I wish they'd been a bit more mindful to listen to me while I was there um, and make more efforts to, to get more diversity on the project um, while I was there. Um, and then, I, you know, I, I'm, it's unfortunate how that yes, you could argue that what I've done was foolhardy and maybe, you know, sort of spontaneous and over the top maybe, you know, in terms of doing the video and saying all this stuff and whatever, you know, with the whistleblowery kind of thing. But I had the evidence of the album that was already out, you know, but, you know. So, but your theory is that the scene has been too whitewashed. Well, so, so essentially, and, and this goes back to the ownership thing. I just, I just feel as though that there needs to be more, there's, it's, it's all good and well saying there needs to be more black artists. That's one thing, or, 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 or LGBTQ artists or female artists, Female you artists, know, yeah. for example. It's all good and well saying that, but I'm, I'm saying now, and what, this is one of the things that we want to try and achieve the BJA, is like, where are the sync managers? Where are the publishers? You know, the people that run in publishing companies and who are setting up publishing, um, who the the artist management, the A and Rs. Like, if you're if you're a DJ today, mm -hmm. the likelihood of you, the likelihood of you becoming the next Andy C. What is it? One thousand to one, two thousand to one, a million to one, really probably. Um, it's very, so one of the things we want to try and do at the BJ, so yeah, you can be a DJ, but maybe also find out about being this, which would keep you in the music industry and you keep you in, the, you can earn loads of money from it and you can still be a DJ and have your fun and do whatever. But there's this job that you can also do. Um, and in most instances in the music industry right now, especially in the UK, those power positions that I was talking about and that, that are very influential they're all mostly run, you know, owned by white people. And then that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it In just, per se, but it's also yeah, not very... But, but we, it would be useful and I think beneficial to... For everyone. For, for there to be some, some, some change there and, and, and some, you know, a little bit of, of diversity. So more than the talent, yeah. it's about the people in position of powers inside of the industry. The, what the, do you the, think should be less whitewashed? You see, I think that's what allowed... When I... When, after the video came out, I had so many conversations with people, like, about how... how we got here. Like, and... They were, all, they were all white, right? That I was talking, that I was mostly talking to. Yes, I was talking to black people as well, but we were having different conversations. Um, the how we got, because black people knew how we got there. We could see it Wait, happening. You know, we saw it happening how, at the time. How we got here. Yeah, but, but no? white people were sort of like, well, you know, I didn't know. And I was sort of asking people, you know, like, did you not see like the, the, the events? Did you not look at lineups? Did you not sort of see how it was all starting to become, you know, a certain way? Was there no. And they just, no, no. And there's no reason for them to, to necessarily do that. And I don't vilify them for it. It's not about yeah. vilification. It, it, it's just about reminding, actually, you know, when I'm talking to certain white individuals and they all have stories about how a black DJ got them into the scene. 
or a black friend of theirs got them into doing what they are now doing. And my thing is, well, why can't you just, why is it so hard for you to fucking flip and reverse it? You, you can you can take from one way, but you can't sort of go, oh, hold on a minute, maybe I should help this kid out. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Or whatever it is, it's just really weird. And It's weird. It, it, it just seems strange to me that, that, that we've got to this situation. But thankfully now, you know, you know, most of the top labels are aware and, you know, I think efforts have been made by the, the, the big three that to, to try and, it's, it, well, it's clear efforts are being made by the big three labels that, you know, in genre base, shall we say, um, or the big five, you could argue. Um, to, but to one, one of thing. your points, and it, it was quite interesting, yeah. in one of the blogs I read yeah. uh, and I posted yesterday okay, in, all right, my, yeah. in my Facebook, yeah, I saw that. Thanks for that, yeah. is that um, I, I think it's quite an interesting point. If more, if, if, if it, this is a UK thing. Yeah. And all labels are here. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And the decisions can be made. Yeah. Why we don't make them? Because, because, you, <laughs> because they can't just change their staff overnight, right? So just because I've said some shit, they can't then just go, okay, you lot are all fired. We're going to get a bunch of black people in. They, that's just not going to happen. Hospital hire like 30 staff. Like, I don't know how much blacks, how many black staff members they have now. I don't know. I would hazard still very little, right? Now, but you were there and you are not there anymore. I'm, I was there and I'm not there anymore, no. But, um, <laughs> but, but. Do uh, you know who is in your position? Well, they. Uh, <laughs> is it a white person now? Te <laughs> Technically. Technically, yeah. <laughs> Because the sub label of hospital now is Solvent, and so that's you know the the, the MD's nephew that runs Solvent Recordings. So uh, it's someone who I have a lot of respect for, and I, I have a lot of time for. To be fair, but um, they're now the label that sort of builds up new artists, and then you know hopefully they can evolve onto Hospital Records, which is what Med School was or began began as, and then became something else, um, which is the label that I was running for with, alongside Chris Dexter. Shout out Dexter. Um, uh, for t two years, almost two years. Um, but look, the, the, the bottom line is that I still learn a lot from them. Um, I don't want people to, who see this to think that I was ungrateful because for the for the majority of the time, um, it, it, they were they were very very good to me. And no one there. And you to them, I guess. Well, I felt I thought so. Um, but no one there, you know, is the part. And I know people there, probably, you know. They hate my guts on some level, but they have to know that it's not about them. Like, it's not about them. It's about the whole system. It's not about them. And uh, because it is about the whole system, you have created this amazing project, which is Black Jungle... Junglist. Alliance. <laughs> How do you say alliance? Uh, alliance. Alliance. I always yeah. said that in, in a Spanish way. Yeah. And uh, is been amazing it's a, i i'm interested to know it's a young project sure it was was it um an answer to somehow all that stuff that happened in 2020 tell me what's the main uh, goal for you okay. and also i'm curious to know if the name comes from that documentary of channel 4 jungle list Junglist, I don't know. I haven't you seen haven't Junglist, seen it? no. It's about the jungle scene. Oh, no, I haven't seen it. No, jungle, well, jungle, well, Junglist is a term. It's, it's called like that, Junglist. It's called Junglist as well. Yeah, well, Junglist is a term for, it's basically a person that likes jungle. So if okay. you like jungle, you're a Junglist. Of course. So it's like, you know. Like a Londoner. Yeah, or like a racist. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> for example. But, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm misogynist. Yeah, for example. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Any yeah, example. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but um, but uh, so the Black Dragon Lights. The, the I mean, ultimately, the main aim was just to, <laughs> what it really was started on was a couple of things. Obviously, I was when this this video came out. It was sort of like an apology to the black community, almost in the scene, mm-hmm. for not doing more to try and solve this problem at this, you know, this label. And um, it, you know, it it, it 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 worked out how it did. But once I started the Black Jungle Alliance, it was it was started out of anger, but the it very quickly became. You know, because of the people that, you know, so Charlotte and Aquaya and Kulti and Neil, Shiloh and Darren, uh, D'Lo, um, and uh, shout out to Jordan as well. I have Sorry. seen the lives, so I'm, I'm more, more or less familiar with some of the, the names. Yeah, yeah, so sure. <laughs> yeah, no, we've got a great team and it's good fun. And, and you know, not always, you know, sometimes we get think a bit brought with each other or whatever. But ultimately, we're in the process of applying for some funding and... Mm. Um, we've got a project that we want to do that we're really excited about, which which I was talking about in terms of sort of like a reskills program. So you know, like I said, we want DJ, do we want the DJ or the vocalist or the MC or the producer to to also know how to do something else? Um, we just it's not it's not we're not telling them we're not doing Rishi Sunak telling people to retrain and become like you know IT. Um, experts, but we're saying that there's other things in the music industry are necessary. that are really necessary, yeah. really important, and that Especially you can these do. Days yeah, that yeah. people does everything. Yeah, you are expected to know yeah. since how to make a video to how right. to make we, a song yeah. and then yeah. be your own marketing manager. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty much everything you have to do. I mean, I mean that probably won't change, and but and I mean some of those people may become. You know, PR, like, yeah. you know, that's something actually we hadn't even thought of, to be honest. But, um, you know, it, it, there's just a lot of positions um, in the industry out there that are obtainable by people that are probably perfect for those positions and, 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 do, and the difference... do really well. But they keep going, sorry, I was just going to say, but no, they keep sorry. going to the sort of same kind of, you know, boring ass graduates. Do you know what I mean? Essentially. And it's just like, and there's, re- and there's probably great people over here who yeah. do a much more interesting and dynamic job. What, what's what's right now the difference in terms of editorial vision between the labels you have uh, in perspective records and and so, black, so uh, well black Jungle alliance is it's not a, it's not, it's a, not a label, label and that's yeah no so we, 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 will, we, be, we will, will be doing the label um something we, we discussed recently idea. yeah that is one of the things we want to do um, but you know, in perspective records, um, Eloisa and, um, and Eloisa. What's yeah. the difference? So why El- Eloisa was, was so Eloisa was was uh, a gentleman called Matt Moss and I. Um, while I was at hospital, I just sort of just was starting to enjoy the idea of maybe trying to do a sort of more you know upfront drum based label. You know, in perspective was very experimental and always very left field, and mm. you know, and it would just Jassy? Be, you know, Jazzy, say, yeah, yeah, futuristic, all sorts. Um, but but with Eloisa, you know, if someone sent in a really good jump up release, I could never put that on in perspective um, because of the style of music it mm-hmm. was. But if I liked it, then I was I had a place now. Like, I could, oh, yeah, so now I could so now I could put it out on Eloisa. So okay. it became a place where I could put out music that wouldn't necessarily, you know, 
be able to come out and in perspective, but is more maybe commercially minded, is more vocal, is more, you know, like liquid, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it's been really fun doing it and it's been really fun building it. And, um, you know, we've got a great team, you know, set, you know, sort of helping me with all the, what well, I say, helping me running the shit really. So, you know, with Manveer and Anna and Jordan and Andy, um, Ben as well, um, they all do fantastic jobs, you know, with helping me with all the stuff that needs to be done. Um, um, got a shout out Mo as well, takes care of all the websites. And, you know, I've got a nice little sort of team now, you know, of people that I work with and know really well. And I'm, I'm hoping that the next sort of six, eight months, year, you know, sort of leads to, 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 to as much success as possible. But Black Jungle's Alliance though, in terms of what that's doing, this main sort of educational program we're doing called Set Speed is 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 like the primary focus now. You know, we, we it's really more like about it. it's more about education and getting we're, together and discuss we're, we're, having a place to discuss some some stuff that needs to be it, discussed. It, it started off as a private group to do that, but very quickly we we ran out of because we've been talking about this stuff for for years. years. It's just there's yeah. nothing new to say. It's just yeah. like. You know, the, the group, the private group doesn't really do much now. People post stuff up in there, but no one has it because we all know what the problem is. Yeah, we all know yeah. what the problem is. It was fine. And and the thing is, the, the problem was, if the problem was, you know, drum and bass has become, quote unquote, too whitewashed, the solution is to put people of colour in different positions because... Doing, trying to get more black DJs isn't going to solve the problem. It's not going to solve the problem. You know, they, we, we they, there was never a lack of them. There, there was never, exactly, or MCs. There's never a lack of black DJs. Like, you know, we, we, are, talent, we are there. Or, or producers. Of there's lots yeah. of talent out there. There's never, there's never an issue, really. But there's very few black label bosses. There's, you know, I'm one, you know, Stretch is another. Uh, Do you think you know, it's the same problem that women face like 100%. historically we have been for so long put it on 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 a backside that it's hard to be it's even hard to believe you can do it even if you know you can even mm. you if you have done it yeah if you stand in front of another if a, a, a black a white man sure. correspond to the idea of a boss sure you immediately say yes to whatever they said uh, uh, and and it's possible it's probably not fair but it, it is a situation that starts in your mind and it, it's it reflects a so, social system sure. but it's also inside of each one of us sure i mean obviously i can't speak on the well i can i can, I can surmise on the female experience i mean one of the great things there's an organization called eq50 um and they do much in a similar what we do i think sorry we don't they don't do similar things they do very different things in terms of but they're looking for they're, they're essentially looking about diversity from you know a female perspective and lgbtq um uh perspective as well and um they they've they've, they've gone out of way brilliantly actually to highlight you know many women in the history of jungle and drum bass i mean i can't speak about mm -hmm. any, any, all, all genres um that were very influential and done, you know, amazing things. Um, I, I think I think I keep thinking of the night that I used to go to in Peckham, um, Laser Drum, um, in a sense, was run by uh, Sonia. Um, you know, Shola Amo is a singer, is her mum, um, used to run um, Innocent. She was the boss of everything, you know. But that doesn't mean to say that there shouldn't be more done, you know. And, and I think 
in all of these kind of avenues that we're looking at outside of the avenues that have sort of benefited for the most part, you know, whether it's LGBTQ or sort of like a feminist issue or, you know, black and brown issues or whatever it is, you know, it just, I think there just needs to be a little bit more of an open dialogue. I think there needs to be a bit more of an honest conversation about things. And I think we have to stop vilifying because I think, you know, for the... <laughs> Yeah. I, I just don't think it helps that much. No, it doesn't. Um, it's fun. Don't get me wrong, but I, I don't, <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. But it, it, it doesn't help because, you know, when you're in your groups and you moan about one and stuff, yeah, yeah. I get it. it. It is fun, right? But at the same time, you know, a lot of us have cried a lot and been upset and have, you know, had terrible experiences. And, you know, it's, you know, I, it would just be good that. It would just be good to hope that hope. It would be good to hope that all of this kind of turmoil that you know I still feel like I have caused in the scene it sort of comes out as a well, you know, sort of a peaceful resolution. Something yeah, something and, and something constructive and and just maybe a bit of togetherness. Um, but with all the COVID stuff and everything going on, it's still people are still very fractured and. You know, it's it's hard to, to sort of get any... And it's also hard to see where are we going, if the if this is really going to change. I would like to, now that we were talking about the yeah. female um, presence, sure. if, I would like to to read this that you, you wrote mm -mm. in that same post I was mentioning before. Black women in particular really need to be seen right now for mm. a whole myriad of reasons, which are so complex and in so many levels on so many levels. There are people that I know who could be able to write a whole thesis on this because the mis misrepresentation of black women in society first and foremost, mm. but also in jungle and drum and bass is so bad. Mm. And the group I started, the Black Jungle, jungle List Alliance has developed, it's become abundantly clear that that's a huge priority. So. Mm. Being said this, which mm. ones are your favorite female artists in the electronic music scene in general, but especially in, in the music you like, which is and concerns you as a talent, uh, jungle, drum and bass? What could you recommend us to try to listen and, and give some, some support? Um, definitely Sheba Q, um, in terms of an artist. Uh, Maggie has, has really come along. She's written some amazing music recently and has featured as a singer on other people's stuff as well. She worked with Double O and a few other artists. And she's, she's an amazing, incredible DJ as well. Really, really great DJ. Um, the, there aren't, unfortunately... There aren't many. There's not many. Um, uh, brand New Trumpets, um, uh, Becca uh, Porter, um, is of Mauritian descent. Um, um, so she probably wouldn't consider herself black per se, but she, she lives again, here? she lives here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she's here. All yeah, these yeah, yes. she, names you are here. mentioning, yes, they're all based here. They are part, yeah. um, oh, um, actually, though, uh, one in America, though, um, uh, Miss Isis, uh, Stacy, um, uh, she made, I keep, I keep forgetting she makes music, it's really bad, but yeah, she's a black uh, female DJ from uh, America. Um, she's incredible. Um, she's a brilliant DJ, really, really good DJ. Okay. Um, and she actually makes some really. She has she had a release out on their repertoire. My my good compatriots, um, their repertoire put out. I think a release of hers recently. Um, so yeah, she's someone I'd definitely recommend check out. 
Um, but th again, it's like, as I'm sort of scouring my brain, I'm trying to think, right, black female And in your, producers. in your record, in your labels, have you had women? No. And that's something that man is going to moan You need to do that. <laughs> Well, this is the thing, and, even, and like even, people if, it's, are, even no. if it's a conscious effort, the thing is, you so, have to start. Oh, sorry, in, sorry. Let me let me let me let me just uh, sorry quantify that. In in on Eloisa, we've had plenty of women. Sorry. Okay. Um, on in perspective, on in perspective no, no, because there aren't currently, as far as I have been able to find, any experimental female, experimental drama based female artists. Okay. Um, I'm, you know, I'm hoping that someone sees this and is screaming at the screen and goes, I'm... I am. Yeah, I am. I Fine, am send me your music, find. please. Yeah. Send me your shit. Okay. But, but I, it's, it's, pro it's a problem. Me and myself and Manvia, we've been talking about it for quite some time. And um, we're, we're, we're not, we're, we're, we're scratching our heads, to be honest. It's, it's, a, it's a tricky one. And do you try to consciously do an effort to support... Uh, people of color, not only black people, but in general. Oh well, I mean, if you look at my label and the, the different, um, you know, parts of the world where people have come from, yeah, I mean, it's clear to see. Um, and you know, the, the bottom line is, is that th there's some there's some in the BJA that use the term non-white, right? So so there was there was a feeling that you know we're going to look out for everyone in that in that in that field, but. I, I, I kind of want to have a, as, as inclusive um, ethos as possible. So when we do start set speed, if if there are white people that want to get involved, of course, of course, I'm not, I'm not. Yeah, we definitely as, assuming. No, 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 no. But it's something that because um, that's how uh, it should be. That's how. It should that's be. how we feel it yeah. should be, and and also, you know, how does it benefit us to be almost like the same? Is what we're kind of yeah. fighting against. You know what I mean? Because if it if there's an argument there's a club and certain people aren't being let in, if we start a club over here and like don't let certain people in, we're no, exactly no, the and same. it's not necessary to be overprotected or no, patronized. No, no, sure, sure. It's just being conscious of uh, sometimes a little extra effort needs to be done because yeah. uh, we not are not always aware that mm. the systemic conflict. Uh, affects also our little projects in 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 many ways. Yeah. So being always extra conscious sure. about these things yeah. is not bad. It's no, actually a good no, thing, no, no, for, it's a great thing for everyone and no. for the industry uh, in general. Uh, so so you know, Pixis Marissa, um, who's an artist on um, Eloisa, um, she's been brilliant because she has been very much, you know, from. She's not, I, I, I would argue, she's probably not a flag-waving feminist, I would argue. Mm. But what I really like about her, she's very pro-woman. If that, if that, is that mm -hmm. a, good, that's yeah, a that's fair a, way of saying it? You know, it's like me being, it's rather than me being anti-white, I'm pro-black. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, I just want to talk about what amazing things black people can do. That's what I want a black jungle's life to be. But we have to stop assuming that because you are pro something, you are anti the other thing. Because yes, that's, that's, but, it's the same thing with feminism. Because yeah. I'm feminist, it doesn't mean I hate men. No. I love but, them. Uh, I, I, <laughs> I, we'll, we'll, I just I'm want them to love me as well. Yeah. <laughs> this is it. But I, I think the problem is with the way we communicate now, we have sort of got to a kind of black, white, kind of polarised way of yeah, speaking. Yeah, but, but um, we, we don't have to... Um, it's not necessary to play the game. We just have to... 
assume and understand that there's a discussion that needs to be needs to open open and the more open we talk about these things the less they become uh, uncomfortable yeah. or, or or you know like inadequate or or whatever well yeah i mean hmm. I, I I think the conversations conversations are necessary. Are definitely necessary. We need to. One thing that this year has taught me is having open and honest dialogue is just so much more beneficial to my to to everyone to involved. To everyone, but especially your own mental health. Yeah, also. yeah. I mean, hundred percent. But but you know, just being able just to say to someone how you feel, how what you feel about it, and what you might want to do about something mm -hmm. is, 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 has been very, very useful to me. And I've learned a lot about myself and, and a lot of the people around me as a result of that. And I've made some very strong new friends as a result of that as well. Um, so I'm, I'm really pleased that, you know, I mean, if you, if you take it from, you know, sort of like Black Square Tuesday last year, you know, that, was it Black Square Tuesday? No, Black Square Day, you know, for BLM and all that sort of mm -hmm. stuff. You know, to now, like the amount of conversations I've had with white people and black people about race and other things, obviously, has, has gone up exponentially, mainly because of lockdown as well, because there's been a lot of phone calls and, and mm -hmm. you know, and, more and time. of all that happened. Mm. And uh, if from a art more artistic point of view, at what stage do you feel right now? In what kind of music are you producing? What kind of music you would like to be known for? And mm -hmm. also, uh, what makes you special uh, in this industry? I mean, without being... <laughs> I, know, I, know it's a, I know it's a hard thing to say, but... Yeah, um, that's a tricky one to <laughs> What makes you special? What makes me so special? Wow. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm sure you can be. No, I, I think probably the better way of I, legacy is annoyingly important to me. Okay. I, I wish it wasn't. I wish I didn't give a shit. But I just keep thinking about what, what, what people will say about me when I die. Like I just, it's one of the, it's one of the stupid little things that I have, and I just want ultimately with the music, with you know all the things that I've done and projects I've started and stuff I've, I've tried to, to achieve. I just want people to sort of say that he gave a shit really, that I, that I, I was, a, you know, I was committed to this music um, and I was a servant um, to this scene. Um, that That's, you know, and, and that, you know, as far as that, that's, and that's as far as the music's concerned, but outside of that is to have been a good dad and, you know, hopefully a, a, a reasonable brother um and, and 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 I guess I guess for the most part a good son. Um uh yeah, I mean uh, that's that's but in terms of your artistic But that's what I mean. But that's that... what I'm saying. That's that's what my artistic creations would okay. say. Like Okay, okay, okay. Uh, you know I mean they, I'm, they I'm... would reflect that need of being Ultimately, Someone look, we, we, we create, I, I feel like cr creative sort of output is, 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 is like a little bit like having children in a way. Yeah. Because it's totally. something, there's something you've now created that's going to be left behind, you know, when you're gone, um, in theory. And 
you know, obviously they're <laughs> sort of, you have a short gestation period and whatever, whatever, but you know, and you might sell your child to somebody else or, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, but it, that's what it kind of feels like a little bit. So, are you overprotected with your project? No, or no. Do you, I, do you really I, let them go and you, feel? No, like... I, I, I'm very much. I, I just think that if you're not, if you're not having fun, so Orbital, um, there's a group called Orbital, um, and one of the, I don't know if it's Phil Hartnell, I can't remember who it was out of the group said, uh, work fast, work hard, and have fun, and it's something that I've always done. Um, in music, especially electronic work hard, music. work fast, and have, have fun. Because if it's not fun, then it's not, it's just not just worth stop. doing. Just stop. Yeah. It's just the Do worst. Do something else. Do 100%, go and iron your shirts, whatever it is. But you, you've got to have fun with doing it. And I think creative pursuits has to be fun for, for the most part. I get that there are the tortured artist types as well. I get that, you need that, that's fine too. But I think for the majority of people who are getting involved in any kind of creativity, I think the first thing, first and foremost thing is to try and have fun doing it. Um, and when, what's the more challenging aspect of uh, this role you play, creating music, sharing music, thinking about music, communicating music? What's what's something you maybe don't like or challenge you more? The, the, the business side. Of, mm. of like making uh, money with it yeah trying to make sure that you're you know profitable and, and, and exactly stuff. that's the bit I how do you make money these days when everything seems to be free <laughs> well it's it but everything see that's the thing everything isn't like or, and it shouldn't be like you know if if you've got a, if you've not got a paid spotify account that's fine but you know maybe you've got a paid apple music one or you've got a deezer or you know you're paying maybe paying to somebody um I, All your music is in Spotify, for example. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I think it's important. Like, you know, I just think that the small, especially small independent labels like my own, I think you have to give yourself as many opportunities to get your music out to as many people as possible. So to avoid certain platforms in some vain political kind of gesture, doesn't it doesn't help. Anyone. It doesn't help anyone. You know, you just you know. Now I get that. Say Bandcamp is very attractive because it's got this kind of earthy kind of clicky thing going mm -hmm. on with it so you know people really like the idea that you can go on band camp and you know mm -hmm. really be part of the label and stuff 100 get that um and that's really important and i have no problem with that but i think it's also important even if you do it say two months down the line it's just to make sure that your music's done on, on on streaming platforms because people like my nieces and nephews for of example course, of course and for example i made a, I made, if you made a reel on instagram and sure. you want to make to put some music that is yeah. not the it's not those tunes every exactly why not to have the option you to see, promote with your own contribution making a contribution everyone can make a contribution you see you you see you know you see now this is the thing a lot of small independent labels wouldn't know that that once your music is out on digital platforms it means that it can be imported into a Instagram story or a TikTok. Everywhere, yeah. And, yeah. It, and it makes, makes Facebook, a tune. Yeah, you can make a tune go viral. Exactly. If it's, if it's placed against the right and video. And we should always be aware that mm. we should always tag and give the credit to the musicians that we know they will benefit from Yes, that. 100%, yeah. Because yeah. we can all become part of this uh, new story we're trying yeah. to, to and, draw. But that's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. it should, it's, it's not it shouldn't be free like music shouldn't really be free like 
It's not that I'm saying, I'm not trying to sort of put some draconian kind of like, everyone's got to pay for everything. But, you know, if someone creates something, at some point, there should be some remuneration for it. Whether it's through public performance, whether it's through, you know, direct sales, whether it's through it being put on vinyl and then sold. And, you know, for the most part, you want to try and make sure that happens. Sometimes you sign someone's music and you put a certain amount into a release and it just doesn't sell. You know, sometimes that happens and you, you're, you, you, you've now lost on that artist, right? And I think there's a lot of artists that might, might be listening to this now. It's like, well, how is that fair? On That's not fair on the artist. Well, the solution around that is to make sure that you pay in advance, for example. Mm. So if, if an artist signs to your label, you say, well, look, I, I love your music. I'm going to give you £250 for these four tracks uh, or, you know, 200 quid or 50 quid or whatever it is you agree um, for whatever amount of music. So that at least then the artist has at least been paid for his work that then you can try and sell. And if you still lose against it, then that's the label's risk. Um, you hope that you sign someone's music, you pay them in advance and you can recoup that advance and then some will make yeah, that money sounds from the fair. So that's the, that's the way around that. And that's what I try to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's lots of the ways. That's the business, to... that's the challenge, the well, business side. Yeah, because the thing is, at least that's the way that going back, you know, to, obviously before we were talking about something that happened in Croatia, but won't go to that now. But, um, <laughs> um, but that's what I'm saying. It's like, if you run things that way, and this is, you know, in fairness, this is something I learned at hospital. If you run things in that way, then the artist feels at least that support yeah that the art is worth something yeah they are not like, on their own completely yeah. and also that they have to work for free well this is it the majority exactly the majority of labels will say all right we'll take your music we'll put it out and then when it makes and money we'll pay you I and it's like it, yeah. okay but you, you, the risk should be on the label if you believe it, in the artist then you take that it's the gamble that the label makes That's even even editorial publishing mm. uh, they 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 know that to write a book you will need a, a year off right. writing the book so they right. have to pay you in advance yeah sure exactly it, it's exactly the same exactly. it should be the same and i mean a bigger label a bigger label you know will pay do bigger advances they do yeah that. i mean you know you know but we, we all should take the risk is that your point well the label ultimately labels? yeah ultimately the label has to be the one to, the, the artist shouldn't necessarily be taking a risk i think the label should be taking a risk that's okay. because then because then they get the payoff yeah right? that's why they have a label yeah. and uh, i know i know you have been around uh through different process of uh history and music have changed the platforms for distribution, sure. communication have changed yep. a lot. Mm -hmm. Before we used to go to shops yes. and all the community was around the record nice shops. Yeah. Uh, record shops. Yeah. Now it's everything online. Well, not quite. Not quite. Not quite. Because I, I, okay. I, 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 I've got to jump in there. Yeah, because what's sort of happened is there's kind of a retro, you know, sort of, fascination again in the record shop mm -hmm. so but people aren't just doing a record shop they'll have a plant shop and a record shop or they'll have a cafe and a record shop so th that's the way they can maybe sort of make it a little bit potentially I more profitable that. yeah yeah i totally. wanted to hear yeah. that yeah because um, it, 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 it was the way to meet the people you yes, knew was yes, going to be yeah. 
somehow yeah. with you in the obsessed about the same things yes. and and it was amazing because life could be live, be live, lived on the street sure. and and it felt much more alive sure if we are coming back to that that's a good sign I, I for think, humanity yeah in i mean yeah i think for humanity <laughs> in general i don't think it'll ever get back to how it was i think um you know you have you know like places like black market records which was you know, on a Saturday, you'd go down there, you couldn't see because just the so much smoke. Okay. Yeah, because it was smoke. It was like, this is before a smoking ban came in, and everyone was just smoking weed down there, and it's just like, you just go down there and you get stoned and buy loads of records. Okay. Um, and good. you haven't got any weed in here. That's you know a good move. <laughs> 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 yeah, really but yeah, it was amazing those days. But yeah, I mean, I remember Bluebird Records in Bromley, which is one of the ones I used to go to, and then later on, I used to go to Section 5 and... Um, and that's one the, the underground the underground oh so the underground yeah they recently they, got their they still exist. blue pack it's still, it's still, it, it, still is happen. it still going yeah oh right okay cool I'm I, not I sure. don't know I'm asking I, I don't think it's still going I think what it is they've put a, I think it's the first time like a record shop like that's had a I think they've got a blue plaque um, so that's really kind of for, for sort of like modern for like a modern cultural building mm. i think that's quite unique and that's brilliant that they're doing that on a, on a record shop and, and, res, and preserving the um uh the original store the way it was but i think but you know we've got my friend uh this world uh, dexter same guy that i run uh med school with um he's got his shop in uh deptford there so you know when you go down there there's a real sort of like you know sort of like a community vibe and it's just you know um dexter and lewis Good. running the place a lot of people in there. There's a bar next door. It's you know great vibe. People going there just play records and stuff. So I, I think I think there are places. I mean that you can go still and, and and enjoy records. And that's one of the things that we did with Clashmouth. So, so it is a myth that everything is happening online. No, no, no. It, the majority of stuff is happening online. I, I'm not going to sit here and say that we're going to get back to the days of, of the record shop. But I think there is still a nostalgic to... love of, of record mm -hmm. shops, and I think people are finding ways of having a part of a record shop or a small record shop or like I was saying, a cafe yeah. or whatever. And there's some that are going a bit more and, you know, Frolica still exists. All these big record shops, some of them still exist. Um, because people do still like to go, you know, rough trade, places like that. They're still there. There's a reason they're still there because people still want to go and think of the records. I mean... Have you know, a tactile have sensation. That experience, yeah. uh, and, experience. and then when you go to the States, you know, even more so, I mean, Amoeba Records, which is like... I think it's, I still think it has the record as the biggest record shop in the world. This is San Francisco and I've been there and it's just... Amazing. It's just mental because you can just literally go in there and buy anything and, and on CD or vinyl and like, you know, that's a I real experience. That. I mean, you spend days in there. You, you you couldn't go through it all in one day. It's just that big. But, um, but, but I think there is a little connection with it and I think people are sort of like, you know, from Clashmouth, which is one of the other things I do with Dexter and uh, my friend Rob Vanden, um, uh, we put on a drum and bass vinyl label market. So labels will come, have their vinyl and sell them, you know, direct to customers. Um, and uh, it's always been, a, it's gone from sort of like having like 13 labels to like 45 labels coming and representing. So it's all like a bring and buy sell, you know what I mean, for new vinyl. But it's been brilliant. It's been really, really good for the scene. And it's sort of become a sort of a bit of an expo, drum and bass expo really. Um, and we want to sort of maybe turn it into that when we go back to doing live events again. Um, you know, we've had some very strong ideas about what we wanted to do and expand it. 
So, but yeah, that's that's a whole other thing. Um, <laughs> but you, you hope that's gonna happen. But well, I, I'm pretty, I'm fairly confident it will. Um, but what's great about Clashmouth? Sorry, what I was gonna say. One of the, one of the great things was is that because it starts off, it's obviously a, a, a you know vinyl label market. We get like two thousand people come in the day. Mm-hmm. And what was fascinating is as we've done events, the ages have gone down. Down. And so, so some of the people who were buying records 20 years ago, and then now they come back to buy the represses of That's certain amazing. tracks. That's amazing, I love that. They're bringing their kids, and their kids are now, now going Now they through. come together, they are alone, sorry, yeah. on their own. Yeah, yeah. and their kids yeah. are coming in and buying vinyl now and stuff like that, and it's yeah. just, it's really exciting to see. That's beautiful. So it is, it is, it's a beautiful thing. It's like film. Now, it, the, a, the, the people that take photos with film oh, are right, yeah. the youngest. Yes, yeah, yeah a lot of them, yeah. Are, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, I guess they are, yeah, because a lot of them are really, you know, fascinated by this old technology. Yeah, it's like, oh we my were. God. We, yeah. I remember in the 90s, yeah. we were fascinated about the 70s. Mm. And all the fashion was very psychedelic fashion, yeah. kind of rave futuristic, but at the same time, there's there was also this grunge and also yes, kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, retro vibe and the retro vibe is always going to be yes. there fortunately because that allows us to recycle our culture yeah. continuously yeah and uh, i know correct me if i'm wrong but okay. i think one of the your favorite uh, role, ro- roles in the industry is to find new talent that's why you have a label probably also um, since November last year, you are working at, at, with uh, R and A. R and S. R yeah. So how is that going? That's that's been brilliant. It was it, it, it was announced in November, but um, I've, I've been working with them since well July, really June July um, last year, um, and you know the conversation had started and the work had started before that. I think what it was is we just wanted to make sure we had some you know. Eyes dotted and teeth crossed. What's the what's the role? Uh, headhunter. Essentially. <laughs> <laughs> you need to tell. Uh, no, no. So it's it's A and R scout, I guess. Yeah, scout. Um, but it's just I'm I'm someone that. So I do a couple of things for them. So what I do is, one, I can find projects. Mm-hmm. Two projects come into me that I think are great, and then I go and bring them to Renard. And three, I can try and create a project. So it might be, there's a vocalist over here and then there's a producer over here. Let's and they don't, let's great. see if we can, they get them to work together on something. That's a bit of drum yeah. and bass. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it is, it is a bit of that collaborative spirit. Yeah, very much yeah. so. But it doesn't necessarily, it, it probably won't end up as drum and bass on R&S. Okay. That's the thing. R&S is a, a sort of legendary techno label. But, you know, Renard, who, so Renard... No, I meant, been, I meant the, the process of... Oh, right, a bit like John Bates, I see what you mean. Breaking, yeah, yeah, yeah. breaking things yeah. and, and combining And them. combining them together, yeah. yes, I see what yeah. you mean. Yes, I'll get As a process, yeah, it's a John Bates Sorry, I missed it, I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, no, I get you, I get you, I get you. No, so so it is a bit like that. And and it is, it's so much fun. And, like, 
especially when you sort of say, oh, do you know, let me introduce this person. This person's really cool. And you might get on and maybe you might make something amazing together. Wow, um, I love that. And, and it's amazing. such a good karma. It is, it is great. Uh, it's so much fun. Try to do positive alliances. 100%, uh, Between yeah. people and between talent and... 100%. Because a lot of the time people are just out there on their own and they're floating around. Yes. And it, it just means they might just need an anchor to... to totally. You know, and this person just needs, you know, someone to maybe pull them up a bit. You know what I mean? And, you know, sometimes you can get that combination. Sometimes it doesn't work. Um, and... Sometimes you will hear music. So, for example, someone played me um, this this band, uh, this Swiss sort of jazz funk band. I'm not going to say their name because I, I want to still sign them, hopefully. Um, and I managed to get in touch with their manager and had a great chat. And they, they're doing an album for another label. Um, but hopefully, back yeah. end of this year, towards the end of this year, I'll be able to go back and get them. Do you know what I mean? For R&S. And they're amazing and like they're, yeah. they're really, really good and they're so good. I don't want to say their name, but <laughs> I really want to say their name, but I don't want people to all jump on them. So um, that's one that's really that's, exciting. That's the kind me. of things you That's exciting. It is. Yeah, that's it exciting. Is. And is. just, and like, you know, what's brilliant as well is that I've got, you know, 5,000 friends in my Facebook, right? So a lot of them produce, a lot of people are making music, a lot of them not making drum and bass. So since that announcement, what's been brilliant is... Are you getting a lot of stuff? So much people are sending me music from just my friends list. And some of it's amazing. Do you know what I mean? Some people that are like, you know, I never even knew that made music, you know, are sending me music. And it's like, oh, shit, I didn't need to make this sort of stuff. And it's like, well, they just didn't make German bass. So they, they had no reason to send me music before. But now... It keeps they, you also very young and alive it, and vibrant, yeah. really engaged. It does, with it does. Well, I'm signing there. a lot of old guys as well. And that's the only thing, they're all old as me, but... Um, I guess those ones that are comfortable it's enough to lovely. get to, get to so me, it's, a, it's, it's the best part, I agree. No, it is. It does keep me young. It does keep me And young. because we are getting to the end of this conversation, okay. I would like to quote your, you to end. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be scared. Okay. It's a beautiful quote. Okay. Anything fucking cool you like, a black person <laughs> probably invented it. In music, that is. With blues, we literally made the pain and suffering of slavery and the years after into a global phenomenon. That's why, that's what black people are capable of doing. Thank you, please, for being with us. <laughs> Cheers, it was thank a you. pleasure. <laughs> Can I hug you? Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Cheers. <laughs> Cheers. And cool. See you next time. I hope so. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you.